welcome to another five minute drop in Aloha and Peace. I'm Dr. J. I am your host. I'm also a licensed psychologist and psychospiritualist. It was recently brought to my attention that the, the word psychospiritualist doesn't actually exist in the English dictionary. So I wanted to take a minute to try and explain to you the best that I can what it means for me to be a psychospiritualist. So as a psychospiritualist, I practice spiritual psychology which just simply means that I've taken my training as a psychologist and brought it within the context of questions like, why am I here and what's the meaning of life? Now, the thing about being a psychospiritualist is that it actually helps me to get out of bed and to do the things that I, I love, the things that make my body buzz. It's all the things that you and I would consider magical, the things that we really can't explain with logic or reasoning. It's all of those experiences and truths and understandings of who we really are beyond the five senses of our ability to see, hear, touch, taste, or smell. So the things that get me out of bed are the things that I really can't explain away with science, which is why I've adopted the second part of what who I am as a, a spiritualist. Now, as a psychospiritualist, on a day-to-day -day basis, I experience things like um, in meditation, I will slowly come into the awareness that there are these tall beings around me, surrounding me in a circle to protect me. Or it means that I wake up one morning and I smell something I've never smelled before and am given a word of an essential oil that I've actually never heard of before because I'm contemplating and I've asked for, um, and I forget what physical ailment I, I was trying to cure, but I've asked for help with that. Or it means that I experience things that really aren't my own. So if I'm experiencing a deep emotional sorrow or pain or suffering or despair that I know isn't my own, it's that experience of having one of my spirit guides like Sanat Kumara come join me during my meditation to sit in front of me and to hold me or hold my hands to let me know that I'm not alone and that I can transmute that energy. So it's the experience as a psychospiritualist of day-to-day -day connections with things that are really beyond reasoning or logic that truly do bring me out of bed. Now, it's the, the aspect of healing on my personal growth and my personal journey that I love to share with individuals, whether it's with my one-on-one -on -one clients or with students in my classes. And if I were to take a guess, and again, we really don't know, but if I were to take a guess in what the answer or that response to the question of what is the meaning of life, if I were to take a guess in what that response or answer would be, I would say it's about healing. Not healing on a physical level, but on a deep, deeper spiritual, soulful level. So if you and I are here to heal our souls, what does that mean, healing? So when I think of healing, I think of my body healing. And that is essentially the body bringing back into um, your body back into a state of homeostasis or balance. But the thing about physical or spiritual healing is that it's not just balance. It's about discovering truth. When we think of the word discovering or discovery, it implies that it's always been there. So it's our continuous search for our truth and my truth is not going to look like your truth and if healing truly is just discovering truth 
It's simply bringing into the conscious awareness what's been unconscious. So it's making what's unconscious conscious. And that's all that healing really is. Now, when I think about healing and deeper spiritual, meaningful healing, I think about mastering life. Mastering your life or healing on this journey requires you to do a number of different things. But one of the first things that it requires you to do is to master your minds. Now, when we think about our minds, we think immediately to our thoughts. And when we think about thoughts, we need to put them within the context of our brains. The way that our brains are wired, our brains are wired to be lazy. And what that means is that our brains are wired to conserve energy. It wants to conserve energy. And so it'll do that by doing things like creating shortcuts or finding patterns in our lives to, quote unquote, put a stamp on all of our experiences so that we don't have to take the time to process information over and over again. So our brains are actually quite efficient in in the way that it wants to organize our life experiences, if you will. But the thing is, to a certain extent, organization and efficiency is great, but it reaches a particular point when it actually becomes a disservice to us. And our brain's ability to be efficient or lazy, when that becomes a disservice to us is when we can, or when we, not when we can, but when we begin to have things or engage in mind traps. Now, the psychological term for mind traps is cognitive distortions. And within the fields of psychology and neurolinguistic programming, there are, are numerous numbers of mind traps or cognitive distortions. There are, I think, more than 10. But I, today, I wanted to focus on the five major ones that I've personally experienced have been the most detrimental and the ones that I continue to see with the people that I work with, the people that I come into contact with being the most detrimental. So what are the five uh, cognitive distortions? We have what's called fortune-telling, overgeneralizations, the shoulds, emotional reasoning, and magnification minimization. So let's start with fortune-telling. Fortune-telling is our quote-unquote ability in making assumptions about the people around us and events that are soon to unfold. So fortune-telling is my ability to make assumptions of what the other person is thinking or making assumptions of what's going to happen next. Now, you can see that the ability to make these assumptions definitely helps our brains to be more efficient, but it also gets in our way of actually growing or healing on this journey. Now, if we've had past experiences that tell us the people around us are out there to use us or the people around us are out there to manipulate us, then we assume that the next person or the person that we're dealing with now is just like the person from the past. So we assume that that person that we're engaging with in this present moment is thinking a certain thought that aligns with that belief. Or for example, if we've had experiences in the past where we felt ostracized or like the world was unfair, there's an injustice to this world, we will assume that the future experiences that we haven't even come across yet will be just like that. So that's fortune telling. The second cognitive distortion is overgeneralization. Overgeneralization happens when we hear words like always 
or never. Or perhaps overgeneralization happens when we um, ex experience one thing and then we assume that one thing says everything about either the person we're thinking about or the experience. So for example, if I'm driving on the highway and I get off the ramp to get home and I see that the car parked in front of me throws garbage out his window. I can assume, I most likely probably do assume immediately that this person is irresponsible, that he or she doesn't care about the environment and he or she doesn't care about the other people around them. So just by this one action alone of seeing someone throw garbage out the car, I make assumptions that that person is X, Y, and Z. So that is overgeneralization is when we see one specific event and we think everything else about that person or experience matches up to that event. So that's overgeneralization. The shoulds, and this one I know we're probably most familiar with, is when we hear things in our minds, in the mind chatter or the, the monkey brain that we have, when we hear or think things like we should be doing this, so we should be exercising four times a day or four times a week, we should be drinking this much water, that's a cognitive distortion. It's a mind trap that your brain engages in, that we entertain. The thing about shoulds that makes it so detrimental is that it creates illusions of what we believe to be true. So what happens essentially when we have a should is that we are taking what other people have experienced to be their truth and we're integrating it into our truth, into our experience. So instead of creating our own truth, finding or discovering our own truth and creating our own lives, we are taking other people's expectations of themselves and their worlds and integrating them into our own. So that's the third cognitive distortion. The fourth cognitive distortion or mind trap is emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is something that happens when we feel a certain emotion and we believe that emotion is what we are. So for example, if I'm still in college and I just finished taking an exam, the exam comes back and it shows that I got a big fat F. Now, when I see that grade on my test paper, the immediate feeling that I get is, or thought and feeling I get is, I feel really stupid. So because I feel stupid, I begin to believe that I am stupid. Now, that is a major cognitive distortion that happens so automatically that we really, it's very difficult to um, become self-aware of this particular emotional reasoning cognitive distortion. So emotional reasoning is what happens when we feel a certain feeling or emotion, we experience it, and we believe that that's what we are. The fifth cognitive distortion or mind trap is magnification and minimization. This is what happens when we see something inspiring in a, another individual and we put that individual on a pedestal. So if it's, well, Wayne Dyer said this or, you know, Chris Cuomo said that, what we're doing is we're taking what we see inspiring in that person and we are magnetizing it. And then... In return or in response to that, what we do is we see all the negative traits in us and we magnify the negative traits, right? So we minimize the positive traits in us and we magnify the positive traits in others and vice versa. Now, when this happens, we really do begin to see other individuals as these really great beings. And then we slowly begin to fall into that illusion of believing that we're less than or we're not worthy of. 
So you'll realize that you're falling into this particular mind trap when you begin to regurgitate the things that you hear them say. So if, for example, uh, Tony Robbins said something like, you know, energy is or emotion is energy in motion. And you're really inspired by that concept. So you regurgitate that information instead of actually being inspired by that concept for you to understand that it's for you to really integrate into your life and to experience it on your own and make it your own. You're simply just regurgitating what they're saying. So those are the five major cognitive distortions or mind traps that I found to be most detrimental. We have fortune telling, overgeneralizing, the shoulds, emotional reasoning, and magnification minimization. So my challenge to you today is when you're done listening to this podcast, to set the intention, to make the conscious effort to bringing into your awareness how often or how frequently you fall into these mind traps. That's the beginning of self-awareness, and that is the beginning of mind mastery. I hope this served you well, my friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and head over to Apple iTunes and leave me a rating or a review. It would be much appreciated as it helps individuals like yourself find the the podcast. If you have any questions or feedback, you can always reach me at drj at yourlifeinspired.com. It's drj at yourlifeinspired.com. I'll talk to you guys soon.